Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. So here's the question. When you find yourself struggling with your faith, when you don't understand why God is doing the things that he's doing, or it just doesn't seem like he's doing anything at all, when everything around you seems to be so unfair, how do we deal with that? And I think the first three verses in this chapter give us the answer. Number one is listen. Habakkuk said, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Whenever we are struggling in our faith, the first thing we need to do is stop and listen. In fact, if you look at what Habakkuk did, basically he was complaining to God. God, I don't like what you're doing. And the beautiful thing is, God didn't get upset at Habakkuk for what he said. It's as if God was saying, I'm okay with this. You're allowed to wrestle with me. You're allowed to raise questions. And then after Habakkuk filed his complaint with God, he said, now God, it's your turn. I need some answers. What do you have to say for yourself? And then he waited and listened to see what God would say. Far too often what we do is we just whine about what's going on, mope, and maybe even feel sorry for ourselves, and then we go on with our lives. We don't really want an answer. We just want to complain. And so a lot of times we never stop to listen. We never consider asking God, what do you have to say? But our God is a relational God who loves to speak to his children. Our God is a God who speaks. And if you take the time to listen, God will often speak to you. And I'm not saying that you can expect God to speak to you from a cloud in a booming voice. God can speak in different ways. He can speak through his word as we read and study the Bible. God can speak to you through circumstances and God can speak to you through other people. God will often speak to you, but here's the thing. If he does speak to you, you may not like what he has to say. Habakkuk didn't like it. He said, that's not the answer I was looking for. But if you take the time to listen, God will often speak to you. So if you're wrestling with trying to make sense of what's going on in your life or the world around you, first of all, you need to listen. The second thing you need to do is write it down. Remember. In verse 2, God said to Habakkuk, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. So when Habakkuk says, God, where are you? What's going on? God says, you want to know what's going on? I'll tell you. But first, pick up a notepad and get ready to take some notes. Write it down. So why is that important? I think there's a couple of reasons. One is that years later, God wants there to be a written record of what he said he would do. 
so that people would know that our God is a God who keeps his word. But I think there's a second reason we write things down, because we want to remember them. I don't know if this has ever happened to any of you, but you are asked to go to a grocery store to pick up about two to three items, and someone says to you, do you need to write this down? And you say, no, it's only three items I can remember that much. And then 20 minutes later, you're back at the house with a bag full of groceries, but you're missing one of those three items you went for. Now, I'm not saying that has ever happened to me, but I will say that whenever I go to the store, I need to have my list written down. And I think that's the same thing, that same thing is true for us spiritually. Is it, it doesn't do any good for me to listen what God has to say if I turn around the next day and forget it. Much of what Paul and the other apostles wrote in their letters was designed to help Christians remember what they had learned before. And you find them saying over and over, don't forget what God has said. So when you're wrestling with all these questions, first of all, listen to God. Secondly, write it down. Don't forget what he has said. And then thirdly, be patient and wait. In verse 3, God said, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Those are not words we like to hear. Be patient and wait for it. We certainly never liked hearing those words as a child. We wanted Christmas to get here soon. We wanted school to be out soon. We wanted to go on vacation soon. And we never liked hearing our parents say, be patient and wait for it. And now that we're adults, we still don't like hearing those words. Patience is a virtue, but it's not a virtue many of us really want to have. We live in an impatient world, and we are impatient people. We want what we want, and we want it right now. No matter how fast our fast food gets to us, it's not fast enough. The line in the grocery store never moves fast enough. The traffic is always keeping us from where we need to be when we want to be there. Impatience is always frustrating to us, but is particularly frustrating when it comes to God, because God never seems to operate on our timetable. God, I want you to get rid of this ache or pain, and I'd like you to do it within the next five minutes. God, I'm having some issues at work with my boss, and I'd like you to take care of it by the end of the week, please. God, we're building a new house, and we'd like to be in by the end of the month. When you get in a rush for God to answer your prayers or to take care of a problem that you shared with him, you would do well to remember the children of Israel in the land of Egypt. In Exodus 3.9, God said to Moses, Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. God heard their cries, and God answered their prayers. And we say, isn't that wonderful? But keep in mind, the Israelites had been in bondage for about 400 years. Anybody here willing to wait 400 years for an answer to prayers? Be patient and wait. It's important for us to remember that God may seem slow, but he always takes care of everything in just the right time. And so God says to Habakkuk, I understand your concern and I'll take care of things. Not today, not tomorrow, but the answer is on its way. 
Be patient and wait for it. He even says it will surely come. You can mark it down. The Babylonians will be judged, and in the end, they will be destroyed. Someday, God will make all things right, but he doesn't operate on our timetable. You need to remember that the next time you feel like giving up when you pray. Sometimes God takes years and years to accomplish his plans, but his plans will be accomplished. Sometimes we just have to wait. Now, a lot of people are thinking, okay, I'm waiting, so I just have got to sit here doing nothing. Their idea of waiting is just sitting still. But think about a waiter in a restaurant. We call him a waiter, and what does a waiter do? A waiter serves. And that's what we need to do while we're waiting. As we wait, we continue to serve God. It may take a while, but wait for it. It, will, it can be sure it will come true. It will happen when God wants it to. So what do we do when we're struggling with why God does what he does or why he doesn't seem to be doing anything at all? We listen, we remember what God has promised, and we patiently wait. We now come to verse 4, which is a key verse in Habakkuk. And in fact, it's a key verse in the New Testament. The verse is quoted in Romans 1, Galatians 3, and Hebrews 10. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The New King James Version is perhaps a bit more familiar to us here. The just shall live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Those who are right with God will live by trusting in him. Those who are wicked will eventually be destroyed, but the righteous man or woman who has faith in God will live. Throughout the rest of this chapter, God pronounces judgment on the wicked Babylonians because they are greedy and arrogant and bloodthirsty and ruthless, because they kill without remorse, and because they give themselves over to every sort of evil. God promises that one day he will destroy them. But that day was still a long way off. Babylon would be destroyed, wouldn't be destroyed for almost 70 years. Over that time, they continued to do a lot of evil things. So what do you do while you watch the bad guys continue to lie, steal, steal treat, cheat, deceive? You keep in mind, the righteous will live by faith. What do you do when your prayers seem to go unanswered? You keep in mind, the righteous will live by faith. When all you see is trouble on every hand, the Christian remembers that God is still on the throne. And when dark clouds fill the sky, he says to himself, the righteous will live by faith. Here are some things that faith will do for us. One is faith will trust that God knows what he is doing. As I opened up and shared the last time I spoke, I said, it's often difficult for us to see God's plan. We see just a little bit of what's going on around us right now, but God sees it all. Have you ever gone to the top of the CN Tower and looked down before? You can see a lot of Toronto. The people walking, the GO train moving through town, the traffic jams. But everyone down below only sees what's happening around them. But you have the big picture. You can see it all. That's how God is. And faith trusts that God sees more than we do. We've all experienced this. 
after we've been through some trial, we'll often say, I see how God used that to accomplish something good in my life. It didn't make sense while I was going through it, but now I understand. But then we go through another trial and we question God all over again. We have to trust that God knows what he is doing. Two is faithful trust that God has our best interests at heart. We're familiar with Paul's words in Romans 8:28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This verse is significant, not only for what it says, but for what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that everything that happens to us is good. And it doesn't say that everything will turn out in a way that will make everyone happy. What it does say is this, God is at work in the world, especially in the lives of his children. His purpose is to make us like his son, Jesus Christ. And to that end, God can and does use all things, the good and the bad, to achieve that goal. Faith will trust that God has our best interests at heart. Three is God, faith will trust that God always does things in the best time. When we try to impose our timetable on God, we always get into trouble. I have learned this many times and you would think I would learn, but I keep doing it. The best quote I continue to try to teach myself is, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. You see, struggles are necessary for us to gain strength. There are times in our lives when we want to expedite the process. But God is trying to strengthen us and prepare us for something that lies ahead. But we want to get rid of the struggle. We want to get rid of the pain. We want to get rid of the hardship as quickly as possible. Faith will trust that God always does things in the best time. Four is faithful trust that God is in control. When we get right down to it, that's what Habakkuk was really struggling with. It seemed like the Jews were doing whatever they wanted to do, so they were in control. And if the Babylonians came through and wiped out the Jews, then that meant the Babylonians were doing what they wanted to do, and they were in control. And it just didn't seem like God was in control at all. But he was, and he is. No matter how many people in this country and the world advocate unbiblical truths, our God is still in control. No matter what horrible acts terrorist groups may do, or how much ground they may gain, or how widespread viruses get, our God is still in control. The righteous will live by faith. God goes on to issue a series of woes against Babylon. And his point is one Johnny Cash made in a song that he sang near the end of his career called, God's Gonna Cut You Down. That song begins with these words. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, God'll cut you down. Sooner or later, God'll cut you down. Go tell that long, long tongue liar, go and tell that midnight rider, Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's going to cut him down. Tell him that God's going to cut him down. And that's basically God's message to Habakkuk in chapter 2. One day God is going to cut Babylon down. 
that mighty empire will be brought down and utterly destroyed. In the process, God mentions five specific sins of Babylon for which we will be judged. In verses 6 to 8, they were guilty of theft. In verse 9, they were guilty of arrogance. In verse 12, they were guilty of bloodshed. In verses 15 and 16, they were guilty of immorality. And finally, in verses 18 and 19, they were guilty of idolatry. And then chapter 2 comes to a close with a verse that we're very familiar with. The Lord in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. We often use this verse and we sing this verse to indicate that we should be reverent in God's presence, which is certainly true, but I don't think that's the point here. Rather, what God is doing here is comparing how heathens deal with their gods and how God deals with him. God's people deal with him. The heathens have to keep yelling at their gods, wake up, do something. But we don't need to wake God up, and we don't need to yell at him to do something. We can be silent before him because we trust that he's going to do what's right and everything will be okay in the end. The Lord in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. And ultimately, this is where the answer lies for Habakkuk. Jehovah is in control of this universe. He can be trusted even when this world seems to be going downhill and spinning out of control. No matter what happens around us, we can be certain that the Lord is in his holy temple. In 605 BC, Babylon looked invincible. But less than a century later, the Babylonian Empire had disappeared. Waiting is difficult. It's easy to give up. It's easy to doubt what God is doing. And so God wants to know, do you trust me enough to be willing to wait for me? There's one more verse in this chapter that I skipped over. Right in the middle of God's words of judgment, there's a glimpse of a happier, better day. In verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God encouraged Habakkuk to look forward to a time when the world would not be filled not with bloodshed, not with immorality, not with injustice, not with greed. But the day is coming when this world will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. And that's the one thing that keeps us going in the midst of whatever struggle or heartache we are facing. We look forward to something better. We know that God's judgment is coming, and the time is coming when there will be no more injustice. There will be no more terrorism. There will be no more abuse. There will be no more ungodliness. But just as the water covers the sea, people everywhere will know the Lord's glory. But until that day comes, Habakkuk chapter 2 asks us to make a commitment to trust God as we patiently wait for that day. James 5, verses 7 and 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. So let me close with these words from the third verse of the hymn, This is my Father's world. This is my Father's world, 
oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world, the battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied, and earth and heaven be one. If you're struggling with your questions of why and how long, take the time to stop and listen to God. Remember what God has promised, and most importantly, be patient and wait. In time, God will make all things right, and when he does, the righteous will live by faith. I'll see you for chapter three in the new year. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and we come to you in prayer, asking that you would give us patience to wait and to lean on you, to trust in your timing, and in all of this, God, that we listen to your truth. Don't let us, in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, veer from your word. Help us to know your word and trust completely in it. Amen.